I recently encountered the uh, following set of questions, and here they are. Name the last five Heisman Trophy winners in order. Name 10 people who won the Nobel Prize. Name the last five winners for best actor, actress in a leading role. Name the last five World Series winners in the MVP for each game. What were the top national headlines in 2005? Perhaps there are a few Jeopardy winners here today, but my hunch is that most of us scored in the D minus range in answering these questions, at least I did. Now another set of questions. Name a few teachers who impacted your life. Name a couple of friends that helped you through a tough time. Name five people who taught you something important in life. Name a few people who made you feel special. Can you name five people you'd like to spend some time with? As one person writes, the facts are few if any of us remember the headliners of yesterday. Now, they're not second-rate achievers. They are the best in their fields. But the applause dies, awards tarnish, achievements are forgotten, and accolades and certificates are buried with their owners. The lesson, the people who make a difference in our lives are not necessarily the ones with the greatest credentials, the greatest assets, or the most recognition or awards. The people who make the biggest difference in our lives are the ones who care. Now, don't get me wrong, achievement, success, working hard, striving to be really great at something, all such things are an important part of life, and I believe what God would have us do. But when it comes to making a difference in the life of another human being, more often than not, it is simple caring that makes the biggest splash. Last week, I began this two-part series Perhaps it could go on for much longer than just two weeks. Maybe we're talking about it every week we gather. But the sermon series is titled, What is the Way When So Much Seems Amiss? You may recall I said that much around us is good and right and wholesome. There are many, many people doing great things all over the place, all the time, day in and day out. That said, along with that truth, there is much that is wrong in this valley, our country and the world, much that is terribly off base. And to add to this statement, the late priest, writer, and much more Henry Nouwen once wrote the following. While efficiency and control are the great aspirations of our society, the loneliness, isolation, lack of friendship and intimacy Broken relationships, boredom, feeling of emptiness and depression, and a deep sense of uselessness fill the hearts of millions of people in our success-oriented world. He goes on to write, there is a moral and spiritual poverty behind the contemporary facade of wealth, success, popularity, and power. So if he's right, and if what we've been talking is right, that there is much that is amiss, what are we to do? What is the way when the ways of the world at times are so incredibly distorted, destructive, and life-diminishing? 
Well, the bottom line, the way as Christ followers has to do with how we see ourselves and the role we are willing to take on with people right around us. You may recall last week I quoted Richard Stearns who wrote, When we commit ourselves to following Jesus, we also commit to living our lives in such a way that a watching world would catch a glimpse of God's character, his love, justice, and mercy through our words, acts, and behavior. In other words, we are called to be the change, to be the presence of Christ wherever we find ourselves and to affect and impact people as if it were Christ himself taking the action. And while history shows the world has always been troubled, and though the challenges vary from generation to generation, you and I, through our actions and as followers of Jesus, are the answer to much that is amiss and wrong. In John's gospel, Jesus said, I am the way. In other words, the way in the midst of the world in which so much is amiss is Jesus. Jesus is the way. And being a Christian and people of the way is a complete and total call upon all aspects of our lives. We follow the way, we follow Jesus by inviting Jesus to take our lives over moment to moment throughout each day. By seeing ourselves as God's property in the sense of belonging to God. And by willing to be different than much of what the culture says we should be. We follow the way, we make a difference, we move toward Jesus whenever we do not allow the practical, political, social, and cultural, and other such claims on our lives to compete, replace, or too greatly inform who or what we're willing to be in the world. So let's get concrete with a few things. What is the way when so much seems amiss? The way is Jesus, and we follow the way by who we are out in the world. Last week, I spoke in some detail about humility and kindness. That humility and kindness alone will impact, affect, and change much of what is wrong right around us. That we follow the way when we strive to be humble and kind in every setting in which we find ourselves. And when we find ourselves in a place in which things are amiss, Christ calls us to be present in that situation with humility and kindness. Humility and kindness indeed make a massive difference and have a huge impact. That said, the way following Jesus has to do with much more than just humility and kindness. C.S. Lewis wrote the following in very slightly adapted form. He writes, all day long in some degree we are helping another person along to a destination, to a good place or a bad place. In light of this, it is with awe and the circumspection proper to them that we should conduct all of our dealings with another, all friendships, all loves, all play, all politics. He goes on to write, there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal, and their life is to ours as the life of a gnat, he writes. But it is with immortals we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. 
Said another way, everything in this world goes away. Everything around us is temporary, fleeting, not permanent. The exception is the God-bearer in front of us. Every human being is immortal, a child of God, and carries the presence of God around day in and day out, whether or not the person knows it. As one person writes, even in our seemingly small ways, we contribute to each other's destiny through our speech and our silence. How might we change our habits if we came to see others as immortal beings? How, for example, simply might we learn to greet one another? Want to have a huge impact on other people day in and day out? Want to follow the way in a manner that will create a massive change in the life of the person just right in front of you? See and greet that person in a new way, as Christ would greet them. See and greet every person as a precious, immortal child of God. Greet everyone with a smile, a hello, and a sense of interest and care. I get a kick out of what this one person writes about how sometimes we interact with other human beings. The person writes, there are too many busy multitasking clods who barely acknowledge the humanity of their servers, especially in settings of rapid delivery such as Starbucks. The person goes on to write, we often recoil in the presence of those radically different from us. But we should not be allergic to human beings. We may be rankled by their tattoos, piercings, body odor, gaseous perfume, tattered and putrid clothes, immodest dress, or whatever particular point of offense. But they are all, all like us, made in God's image. And how we greet or fail to greet others says much about our character. But in the power of the Holy Spirit, we may acknowledge and recognize others for who they are, creatures made in God's image. What is the way when so much seems amiss? Humility, kindness, and seeing and greeting every person as a precious, immortal child of God with a smile, a hello, and a sense of interest and caring. But of course, there is more. Our reading today is from Paul's letter to the Galatians. Paul spent a lot of time traveling all over the countries surrounding the Mediterranean Sea, including an area in the Roman Empire at the time called Galatia, which is currently in today's Turkey. There was a lot happening in the fledgling communities in the region of Galatia, and Paul wrote his letter to address some of what was occurring in those communities of faith. Our reading is from the fifth chapter, and in it, Paul, in essence, describes two ways of being present in the world. One, being self-centered and human. The other is to live not only by following Jesus, but by intentionally and with commitment, inviting ourselves to be filled and directed by God's Holy Spirit. Paul, in essence, writes, when we live primarily for ourselves and ignore God and put ourselves first, it often leads to trying to get our way all the time. Cheap sex, accumulating emotional garbage, joyless grabs for happiness, cutthroat competition, never being satisfied, a temper, living with and in ways that create division and divisiveness, engaging in small-minded pursuits, treating people like rivals, etc. 
And then this is the gist of what Paul writes, but when we live God's way, when we follow the way, when we follow Jesus, when we're intentional about being Christ's presence out in the world and invite the Spirit of God to come into us, we begin to change and live in a very different way. We develop affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity, compassion, a sense that the holy permeates other people, keeping commitments, taking others into consideration, etc. And when we follow the way, when we allow ourselves to be led by God, when we live for God, our essence, our being, how we are present with other people begins to change. And we begin to impact the person who is right in front of us. What is the way when so much in the world seems amiss? It's to impact the person right in front of us. We're called, I believe, to think of what Paul described in his letter and how those various ways of being present in the world make a huge difference in the people right in front of us, good and bad. As I mentioned last week, none of us is perfect. We all fall short and make mistakes. But that said, when we know we are living for ourselves, we know, you and I know when we're living for ourselves. We know when we are living for God. And if we pay attention to that, it will affect our conduct and our behavior and how we're present with people. How do we follow the way? Just two more things I want to very briefly touch on. Each of these could be an entire series itself. But much of what is amiss out there, much of what's wrong in here, I believe has to do with the lack of a willingness to engage in honest confession and forgiveness. Confession is all about being willing to say to the person right in front of you, this is what I did and I am sorry. This is what I did, and I'm sorry. I believe, down to my core, that this planet in the course of history would fundamentally change if human beings were willing to be present in the world in such that way. This is what I did, and I am sorry. Communicating it and meaning it goes a long way toward healing, restoration, peace. Confession and forgiveness is the way. Confession and forgiveness is the way for all of us who have been forgiven by Christ. I decided that I'm going to get into forgiveness during Lent, but for now just know that forgiveness is key and central and fundamental to following the way when so much seems amiss. And then just the last thing I want to touch on very, very briefly. And I guess it's what I talk about every week. But what is the way? Love is the way. For God is love. If we take on love, if we take on love in by action and what we do and how we're present with every other immortal human being, including the server at Starbucks, things will change. Henry Nouwen wrote, maybe it's power that offers an easy substitute for the hard task of love. It seems easier to be God than to love God, easier to control people than to love people, easier to try and own life than to love those in our lives.
And he writes the long, painful history of the church. It is the history of people tempted to choose power over love, control over the cross, and being a leader over being led by God. So to wrap up, what is the way when so much is amiss? Jesus is the answer. And the more and more we invite, allow, and seek Jesus to be what our lives are about, the more you and I will continue to change and to morph and to show up in the world in a way that changes things one person at a time. The way Jesus teaches us to be humble, kind, to respond to all other human beings as bearers of the holy created in the image of God, to greet other people with a smile and care, to show up each day full of the Holy Spirit, exuding exuberance about life, serenity, compassion, keeping commitments, taking others into consideration, to confess when we are wrong, to make forgiveness part of our character, and to do the hard work of love wherever we find ourselves. So Jesus is the way when so much seems amiss. He is the way, the truth, and the path, as he said he was. So let us now just take a few moments in quiet prayer, uh, turning to our Lord and Taking some time, a moment, and just to ask him how it is that he is calling us to be present in the world.